Hi, everyone. This is JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening. Welcome back to another episode of Fantasy Football with Gumbo. My name is Ja. Hey, it's Dugo over here. What's going on, folks? Hey, gang. So welcome to summer. It feels like summer. We are now officially, I think, a month past the NFL draft. Uh, So we're starting to see people show up for off-season workouts. And a name that's been popping up a lot in headlines recently is Austin Eckler. Um, running back for the Chargers. Who? So, I don't know if you've been keeping up with it, but my boy's been having some contract issues. Yeah, dude. I mean, like, I've saw, like, I saw it at, like, the beginning of the offseason, but then, like, it pretty much went away. And, like, honestly, if I'm going to keep it a buck, I thought it was already taken care of. So, like, just kind of hearing that it's coming back up again. I mean, like you said, Staley said that he is, uh, like, he, he mm-hmm. foresees him being at training camp. Yeah. Obviously, right now, it's just OTA, so... You know, if your prize star running back isn't there when mm-hmm. the offense is pretty much already, you know, I mean, it isn't already like put together because they do have uh, Kellen Mon or uh, Kellen Moore, I believe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The guy from Dallas. Yeah. He's their new offensive coordinator. So like, obvi- like, so you do have that new wrinkle, but I mean, all the pieces are pretty much all there. You're pretty much just adding QJ and Kellen Moore. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, yeah, Kellen Moore is going to be the uh, new offensive coordinator out there in Los Angeles. And for the time being, I mean, he does have Austin Eckler at his disposal. I mean, that's kind of sick, though. Like, don't you think? I mean, think about, like, what he was able to do with, like, Tony Pollard last year. Yeah, you would think he wants the weapon there. Right. I think that, I mean, we already have seen what, you know, uh, what Austin's done in that system already or in a system in the NFL. Yep. I mean, if you get him into, I don't know, man, like what Tony Pollard last year was doing was pretty special. Mm-hmm. A lot of it seemed pretty much schemed open, though. Yeah. So, like, I, I hope, I really do hope that uh, they are able to utilize Eckler in that kind of way. Because, I mean, if you talk fantasy value, holy shit, like his value doesn't go anywhere at all, even with a first round wide receiver in a system. We're talking about the RB1 in PPR leagues last year. He was the RB2 in PPR leagues the year prior. And ultimately, the reason I bring this up is, I mean, for the time being, he's a Los Angeles Charger. Uh, but, I mean, in terms of other running backs in this backfield, you have Josh Kelly. You have Isaiah Spiller. Uh, you even have, you know, guys on the come up like Larry Roundtree who might be on that roster bubble this summer. So if there is anyone currently on the Chargers in the running back room that you might want to take some stock in, do any of those names kind of jump out at you? I mean, I'd probably say Isaiah Spiller just because, like, he has the most cap, I feel like, in that room. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had – I like cap. Josh. I like I like Josh Kelly a lot. 
I'm going to keep it a buck. I actually just dropped him this off season. So, I mean, it is one of those guys that I was mm-hmm. considering keeping around because you never know with Austin Eckler. Yeah. But, I mean, at the same time, like, if I'm going to keep it a buck, I think that Isaiah Spiller is probably going to be that next uh, one, honestly. So, if, if he leaves the room and if they don't bring anyone else in, I would assume it would be Isaiah Spiller's room to lose. Isaiah Spiller would be the guy I would also probably go ahead and invest in. Which is unfortunate because last year, dog, like, I liked him draft, a lot last year. I didn't. Yeah. I thought he was pretty slow. Like, didn't he mm-hmm. run like a four, five, almost four, six? And he he ran a terrible forty. Like, I don't know, dude. Like, it's just something about him. Like, you know, maybe it can, maybe he can make it work. But like, it's just something about, I don't know. Like, there's some things he might be able to do, but I just don't think he's gonna be like that guy. Well, the reason I liked Isaiah Spiller was because he did have uh, soft hands. He was a pretty decent pass catcher. He wasn't the fastest guy in the draft by any means. He ran a four six three, uh, which is pretty damn bad. But he's someone who has recent draft capital. He's somebody who does has you know the size and frame to go ahead and take over the backfield. Uh, he's someone I would probably keep an eye out on. Yeah, I mean, I well, what I feel like you have his profile open. What is he owned in most leagues, or at least in uh, sleeper uh, dynasty leagues? Yeah, so Isaiah Spiller, as far as ownership, is rostered in eighty nine percent of leagues. Uh, but he only has, once again, that 3% start rate because he wasn't really utilized last year. And he finished the season as like the running back 122. Uh, he only had 18 rush attempts for 41 yards last season, which means that he only averaged about 2.2 you know, yards per carry. Uh, three receptions last year, 13 re- receiving yards. He had a really unimpressive rookie season. But because he did get that draft capital, because he was drafted by the regime, and because he actually wasn't all that bad at Texas A&M, uh, I think that he's somebody who, you know, should be rostered, rightfully so, but um, he's someone that I definitely wouldn't mind stashing for a couple of bucks a fab if he's available, um, or I wouldn't mind trading maybe a fifth-round pick to go and get him on my roster. Kind of sees the opportunity early, uh, similar to Alexander Madison, who is also dealing with a veteran running back in his backfield who might be out of there. Yeah, Dalvin dude. Cook. Yeah, do you kind of – I mean, if it ends up playing out the way that you hope it does, mm-hmm. I mean, you might get one of the best steals of a trade. I mean, I <laughs> – I mean, I did get Jared Goff, who I, or Goff, who I do need. I mean, like, I need quarterback stuff. But, like, yeah, like, if you end up stealing a starting running back for me, like, that's kind of a finesse trade. But, like, honestly, though, like, if I'm going to keep it a buck. Keep it a buck. I think the person who's going to be starting in that room, if Delvin Cook leaves, I think is going to be Ty Chandler. <laughs> because, dude, like, when you look at what he did at North Carolina, he was really impressive, like, the guy was pretty good. Like, he did a lot on his own. I mean, like, you talked up Javante Williams and uh, who the hell was the uh, Michael Carter out of North Carolina. Literally the year after that, Ty Chandler comes out, and, I mean, he's between the two of those guys. Like, he's a little bit bigger, I think, than uh, Michael Carter, but I think he uh, – I don't think he's as fast as Javante Williams if my uh, brain serves me right or if my memory serves me right. Mm-hmm. So it's just one of those guys like they got him in the fifth round as a steal. I mean, they weren't really looking for a running back, I don't think, especially with Delvin and Alexander Madison and uh, Kenne uh, Najigba. I forgot his uh, Nuagu. Nuagu. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Jackson Smith. Najigbas. Yeah. Someone like that. You know, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Um, so like who I think is really talented as well. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. Like, I just don't feel like it's going to be like a definite, like, Alexander Madison's our lead dog. Like, I feel like it's going to be 
definitely a committee back if Dalvin does end up leaving. Yeah, I like Alexander Madison a lot. And just for reference um, as to, you know, what Dugo was talking about, uh, we made a trade, I think, about a month and a half ago, right before the NFL draft. And that trade was, at the time, a pretty low-stakes trade. I mean, we traded... I gave him Jared Goff, yeah, and I believe I gave you two fourth-round picks. Um, and in return, I got my boy Alexander Madison in like a fifth round, like either this year or in the future. But ultimately, we traded Jared Goff, Alexander Madison, and a myriad of picks. And with me being on the receiving end of Alexander Madison, I mean, I'm pretty happy. Uh, I like the situation. Obviously, I kind of thought Cook could be on the move. But we were getting closer to the NFL draft. There was no traction. It looked like Dalvin Cook was going to be staying on the Minnesota Vikings. And at that time, I was able to go ahead and, you know, grab somebody who looks as if he might be moving into a workload. Now, moving forward, I mean. So I just looked at that trade and you also got the 5-4 who you ended up uh, scooping uh, Will Levis with, which. Oh, no. I mean, he basically replaced him. If he ends up starting in uh, Tennessee next year. So good on you. All right, and speaking of running backs, I want to talk about another running back who's been in the news a lot. Uh, your boy, your boy, Antonio Gibson. My boy, that's I'm your putting that boy. on your jacket. That's hey, bro, all that's you. your boy. That's hate. Bro, you get out of here with that shit, bro. That's lo- we low-key. Hey. Why are we low-key subbing AG like that? Hey, bro, that's not me, bro. You the one who had him on your team. You the one who traded for that motherfucker. I traded and him off my team, too, for Garrett Wilson. I was also, that wasn't the fucking trade. That was the trade. I swear to God. Oh, okay. I traded, so I traded Antonio Gibson off my team. So for the people at home, uh, me and Dugo obviously playing a dynasty league together. Uh, I traded Antonio Gibson off my team last year for another person's first round pick. That first round pick ended up being the pick I utilized to get Garrett Wilson last year at the one two, and I got Antonio Gibson off my team, who right now is actually receiving some hype in the news. Dugo, uh, he's getting some hype because. I guess word on the street is Ron Rivera wants to get him more touches. Bro, like, I I honestly, I don't really understand that because all last year, like, they were feeding, it seems like, Brian Robinson Jr. more and more and more. That's what I thought, too. So, like, it's just kind of surprising to hear that. But, like, at the same time, like, I feel like it would be a, a little bit less surprising if it was Eric Bieniemy because Eric Bieniemy, I mean, when you look at what the Chiefs did, they always ran, like, dual back, back systems. Like, when you looked at who was in their backfield last year, it literally was never the same person. Mm-hmm. It was either Pacheco or it was McKinnon. Yep. So, like, I don't understand this at all. Like, it's cool. Like, if you, like, are an AG holder, hey, kudos for you for holding on, first of all. But secondly, like, to hear that he's going to get more touches, I mean, I feel like it's almost a pipe dream. I really do. Because I feel like Brian Robinson Jr. is going to fire out of the gates if you want to look at what like sort of role AG could have in this team, at least from my opinion, from my view, I think that he's probably going to be like more of like that McKinnon like filler back to where like Isaiah Pacheco. I feel like you saw him go up the middle a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like he uses more of the one tube down, and then you had McKinnon coming on third. I feel like that's what you're going to see happen more. I feel like just when he's in the field more, like or when he's playing more, when he's on the field. I think they might try to get the ball in his hands a little bit more. But, I mean, they have a lot of targets out there. Like, I'd rather see Jahan Dotson get more targets than AG get more targets, if I'm going to be real. Well, I think with Antonio Gibson, you have to be optimistic because they're bringing in Eric Bieniemy from Kansas City, who ran one of the most efficient, one of the best offenses the NFL had to offer for the last however many years. But 
I think that with this, you have to really be somewhat realistic too. And you have to dig more into Eric Bieniemy, his background, and what does he like to run on offense? And I did that, and I'm going to share some of what I found. So when I looked at the Chiefs offense over these last few years, the Chiefs ran misdirection runs more often than mostly any NFL team, which tells me that they need a running back who is going to be agile, a running back who has speed, a running back who can, you know, uh, pick up speed out of nowhere, who can dig his feet into the dirt and, uh, you know what I'm saying, make a couple cuts, do what he has to do to get to the other side of the line. Antonio Gibson can do that better than Brian Robinson can do that. Brian Robinson is ideally a gap scheme running back. He's a north and south running back. He probably closely mirrors Isaiah Pacheco in this offense, which has value. But when you're talking about Antonio Gibson, I see him, I guess, closer to the to the Jarek McKinnon role. Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid were notorious for shifting their offense towards the weakness of the defense. So they shifted between 11 personnel and 22 personnel very often. If you don't know what 11 personnel is, it's one tight end, one running back, three receivers. 22 personnel is two tight ends, two running backs, one receiver. They will go ahead and shift their offense based off of the defensive fronts that they see. And in that division, they had the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys who have elite and strong defensive fronts. Yeah, dude. I mean, when you look at those two defenses, I mean, both of them were in the top 10 last year as far as, I mean, fantasy rankings. And when you look at most of the major categories, yes. they're typically up and they're in the top 10, at least 15 as well. So absolutely. I mean, they're facing stellar fronts, stellar defenses. Eagles are going to be a lot harder now that they have Jalen Carter on that team, too. Like, holy exactly. shit. But, like, yeah, man, keep going on, though. Like, tell me what else I need to know. Like, should I be giving AG a little bit more credit going into this year? Or do you think we should continue to fade him? I think you have to hold steady with AG wherever you had him before. I think you have to hold him somewhat in the same realm. Because, ultimately, at the end of the day, the regime that drafted Brian Robinson is still there. In a lot of situations, when you get a new OC, you typically get a new head coach. The head coach who was in the draft room, the head coach that drafted Brian Robinson is still there and is still going to want his draft pick to look good. I think that AG is someone that you kind of got to hold steady with. I'm not buying too much of AG Dugo. This is an opportunity for, for me to sell. I'll go ahead and maybe scoop second rounder for him. You think you can still get a second rounder for that guy? I think so. I think that you can still go ahead and get anywhere between a second to a third for AG right now. I feel like third is probably more of his value. Like, I, I truly don't see a second at all. Like, I mm -hmm. feel like in most drafts, Brian Robinson Jr. was drafted around, like, that second to third. And, like, realistically, Brian Robinson Jr. is now taking over that room. So, at this point, I got I to gotta swoop him down to a third, maybe even a fourth. Really? I just don't really see a lot of value in him. Like, I might be missing something, guys. Let me know if I am. But, like, I really just don't have a lot of faith in him going into this next year. All right, so I want to take it back out west to a team that I'm actually really intrigued to see how they do this year. Uh, obviously, everyone has this team picked to go into the dumps. They're saying on, like, uh, betting books, they're giving them, like, an over-under of, like, four and a half. I'm talking about the Arizona Cardinals, bro. The Cards. Bro, so right the now they got, they got Jonathan Gannon. He was the DC of the Eagles last year. And honestly, I was pretty impressed with what he's done with that defense the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to see what he does for this uh, Cardinals team this year around keeping it within the birds. So, you know, he's still going to be keeping flight. You know how it be, you know, goes from Eagles to a Cardinal, you know, still a bird, LOL. I yeah. digress. 
So I'm really excited to see what uh, D-Hop does, though, realistically. Like, I'm actually surprised to see that he stayed on that team. Um, and I'm not sure, like, if Gannon just after a bit or whoever, you know, like maybe Michael Bidwell, the owner, just said, shut the fuck up. We're not going to trade you, D-Hop. And maybe well, that's why he stopped or, like, I'm not sure exactly what happened, but it seems like he was almost as good as gone for a while. Honestly, I really liked what they did in the NFL draft, too. I like the way this – I know, like, it started off, like, super corny on twitter with that video that went viral with the new cardinals coach and rondale moore um it was like some weird ass like altercation but all in all i like the way this regime has moved because beforehand all you saw was like fire like all you saw was bullshit coming out of the gm's office about who's going to get fired what is cliff kingsbury doing in the offseason why does his team always fail like at the end of the season why is this team having their players pay for lunches and meals honestly the loudest thing has been d hop but that's kind of just been like right. i mean for the most part everything else has been like low-key they made a great first round pick in paris johnson yep um they brought in a guy from a super bowl organization Kyler Murray's been somewhat happy. They've been way more vocal in support for Kyler Murray. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, everything has been kind of clean, and that's what they needed. Like, Dog, if Kyler Murray comes back and and still is inconsistent, I wouldn't doubt if he is traded. Yeah. I mean, but even Colt McCoy, I love Colt McCoy as a backup quarterback. Fair. He's one of my favorite backup quarterbacks in the NFL, by far, actually, because he always shows up. But he also, if you watch, like, the Hard Knocks and shit, he was always a great leader. He was. But I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to say no, that I've been good. impressed by, like, what's happened with this team and where they're going. Or where they could go, at least. Right. And, I mean, like, I feel like it's going to be more of a run-heavy team. Like, I feel like you brought up, maybe it was uh, pre-production, but you're saying how they are playing on running, like, West Coast uh, zone run type offense, I believe you said. Well, the OC has been kind of low key about what he wants to do with the okay. offense, but the presumption from at least a lot of the beat writers in Arizona has been that he's going to run the West Coast offense. Okay. So, so, like, I feel like with that case, and especially like with the way that they brought in Michael Wilson, who I feel like could be a serviceable wide receiver in the next couple of years, like, I feel like I just, it seems like they have some weapons there. I mean, like, they do have Rondale Moore. They got uh, Marquise Brown, D-Hop, you know, Michael Wilson. They have Trey uh, McBride, Zach Ertz. I mean, dog, they got some guys. They Zach got a lot of or uh, they got James Conner, my boy. boy. I absolutely love James Conner. If they bring in a West Coast offense where James Conner can run the ball more often, mm-hmm. I'd, be a lot, I'd be really excited about that for yeah. real. So, like, with the West Coast offense, I mean, they like to have a horizontal threat. You like to have a deep shot, uh, a guy who can stretch the field so you can open up the middle of the field for, you know, your intermediate routes and things like that. Your quick, you know, 10 to 15 yard passes. And you have that in Marquise Brown and you bring in Michael Wilson, who coming out of Stanford, you know, came from a West Coast offense. He's going into a West Coast offense, which was his ideal fit coming out of the draft. And you have Marquise Brown who can stretch the field. And open up, you know, uh, space for him to space for him to play. So yeah, I feel like you're forgetting about the biggest thing here, though, and that's D Hop. Like I, I'm sorry, but I feel like Michael Wilson's probably gonna be like the four or the five to start the season, dog. Yeah. So if like, D Hop's there, though, that's the thing because they, I think Michael Wilson comes in to fill in the void that D Hop could leave. By yeah, playing, in like a year or two, playing the outside role, right? Yeah, but in a yeah, year after right, he yeah. leaves, after he leaves this year, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I feel like the off, or I feel like the front office, the front office has made it pretty clear 
that they're going to keep D-Hop this year, even though it's the last year of his contract and he's owed a shit ton of money. Yeah. It seems like they're still willing to pay him and, you know, they're going to ride or die with him. And I don't know, like, if I'm D-Hop, I'm pissed because, like, I want to go out and win the championship sooner or later. So you saw the I Am Athlete interview. I mean, I didn't. Can you tell me a little bit about that? So I think yesterday he goes on I Am Athlete with Brandon Marshall. And he says that, you know, like, hey, these are some quarterbacks I'd like to play with. Granted, Brandon Marshall did lead up the question by saying, like, hey, I know you're in your situation and whatever. But, you know, just give me a list of some guys you wouldn't mind catching the ball from. And uh, he said Patrick Mahomes, Herbert, Josh Allen. um, And, like, now. He didn't drop Rodgers' name in there? I don't think so, no. What? I don't think so, no. What? And so it's only news because it's feels kind of artificial like they kind of just wanted to kind of get some buzz in the news but he's been pretty vocal about what he wants in this part of his career and i don't know if that aligns with what arizona's trying to do internally uh they like i've said have been doing actually a pretty good job in terms of just keeping that under wraps and not commenting too much on it but i like this team and where it's going i think this is going to be a surprise offense and i think james Conner's going to be a dog next year bro dude i'm excited to have him on my team he might be a top 10 running back next year. Bitch, he always is. Yeah, he's solid. I like him. I like him a lot. Um, I guess where do you have D-Hop for Dynasty? I mean, D-Hop, I feel like regardless, like, if he's healthy, he's going to give you a top 20 every year. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care. Like, yeah, he's aging, so, like, I'm taking him out of the top 10. But, I mean, he's still going to give you a top 20. I mean, you're still going to be able to just, you know, plug and play, not worry about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's just D-Hop. I got him around there too, maybe top thirty to be safe because okay. I don't, I just don't know what's gonna happen next year. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I feel like just barring injury, I feel like he's still gonna be just a dog. I mean, he's an end zone threat. He's everything that you want in a wide receiver, dude. Like the guy has like seven X hands. Mm-hmm. I mean, just look at the guy, dude. Like he's done nothing but prove every year that he's one of the best. So actually. Speaking of new receivers, or I guess speaking of receivers, right, what's up? Uh, Brandon Cooks was somebody who left Houston, DeAndre Hopkins' former team. What? And he's now in Dallas. Yeah, dude, uh, that's kind of wild. Where he's playing for Mike McCarthy, who is also a proponent of the West Coast offense. I feel like his is more of like a spread coast, though. Like, I mean, like, he runs West Coast, don't get me wrong, but, like... Wait, is that a new term? No, I think I I might have just came up with that shit. For real? Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know. But, like, for real, though, like, when you look at his offense, so... It's kind of crazy. Like, I don't know, like, it's like it's it. not uncommon to see him out there with, like, four wide receiver sets and, like, oh, yeah. a tight end and still split out and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't know, like, when I was watching the Packers for all those years, it just seemed like, yeah, like, you, you know, he'll have some of those 12 sets, whatever, but... He always had those spreads more often than not, it seemed like. Dude, so McCarthy's going to be the play caller in Dallas I know. now. And, I mean, he's been someone who's always been a West Coast, uh, like, offensive guy. Like, well, that's the system he believes in. Well, who do you think is going to be, like, their, uh, the back that, like, you know, like, their bruiser back this year, Dude, you know, with, with Elliott gone? That's you, the question. Cause, is it going to be Malik Davis? Dude, it might be. Like, I like Malik Davis. We He was someone we told you guys to go pick up, I think, last week. Maybe. In the last two weeks, we told you to go pick up Malik Davis. Malik Davis is the one of the running backs on the Dallas Cowboys uh, behind Tony Pollard. Now, Tony Pollard has always split carries with Ezekiel Elliott. And you would assume that Mike McCarthy, who's always been a proponent of two running back systems, is going to want to run a two running back system. 
right? Well, I mean, especially with the high ankle sprain last year that Pollard had as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, whenever you listen to, like, athletes that have had that, yeah. it always seems like it always takes them back a little bit. Like, that's almost like the new ACL. Yeah. Like, I mean, it feels like motherfuckers come back 100% now from ACLs for the most part. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least some guys, maybe more, like, of the speed guys, I would say. Probably lesser of the power guys. But if you want to look at something that's, like, really just taking guys down now, it's that, it's that high ankle sprain. And, like, I'm sorry, but there's no such thing as a high ankle. So it's literally just a low ankle fra- or it's a low leg fracture, guys. Let's just call it what it is. Have you ever had a leg fracture of any sorts? Not really, no. Like, I've hurt my knee a couple times. Like, I've had a surgery to do some cleanup in that. But, like, I've never had, like, a, like, really bad, like, sprained ankle. Like, I played on the line in football uh, in high school. So, like, I mean, like, I had people, like, fall on my, like, knees and ankles and stuff. And, like, it hurt like a bitch. Mm-hmm. But, like, I always just stayed out there. Like, it was nothing, like, it never, like, swelled up to the size of a pumpkin or anything, like, where you get, like, a high ankle sprain. Yeah, and you would think that, ideally, even if he was going to be any kind of a workhorse back, they would want to ease him into that. So, do you want to know who's in the Dallas Cowboys running back room? Yeah, run it through quick. You have Tony Pollard, and then behind Tony Pollard, you have Malik Davis. They recently signed Ronald Jones to, like, an undisclosed one-year contract. I can't really find too many details on it. Um, and then they also drafted Deuce Vaughn in the sixth round, whose dad is, I think, on the coaching staff. Yeah, he's a scout for them. College or he's a scout. Sorry, he's a scout. But regardless, you have Tony Pollard, and then behind him you have a group of Ronald Jones, Malik Davis, and Deuce Vaughn. Now, I like Deuce Vaughn a lot, even though he's kind of like an undersized prospect. Right. He was somebody that I thought his metrics jumped off the chart. I think that he's somebody who could thrive in a specialty role. But when you look at Malik Davis, I mean, he's over that 200-pound threshold. He's 5'10", 5'11". He showed out in this one game that he had an opportunity to show out in last year uh, to end the season where Zeke, I think, missed time. They intentionally didn't draft anyone with high capital, and they brought in Rojo, who's been a journeyman for the last few years. Yep. So Malik Davis, they obviously showed some level of faith in, and the biggest knock against him is that he's an undrafted free agent, Dugo. I don't know. Where do you feel about the guy, I guess, at this point in the offseason? Has it changed at all? I mean, like, I can't say, like, it's really gone lesser. I mean, like, when you look at someone like that, like, he definitely has, like, a stockier profile. And when I'm thinking about, like, Rojo's deal, but, like, when it's undisclosed like that, I feel like it's typically damn near, like, a training camp invite. Mm -hmm. So, like, I don't know if he has much of a leash at all. So I feel like I got to give more credit to Malik Davis because, I mean, they at least have, you know, experience with him. They know more about the kid. So I don't know. I'm excited to see him in uh, training camp, you know, just to see what sort of reps he's getting. Uh, But, yeah, like when I look at Deuce Vaughn, I feel like he's going to he's just going to be more of like a spell off of uh, Tony Pollard. Mm -hmm. Like when they want someone in there uh, that can do somewhat what Tony Pollard could do. But, uh, you know, like maybe Tony Pollard might have just gotten hurt or, you know, needs a stinger, needs a breather, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like that's what Deuce Vaughn's role is going to be, other than like maybe like special teams help as well, maybe. Dude, do you remember the Green Bay Packer days with uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams? Yeah, dude, I absolutely love those days. I feel like Pollard fills that Aaron Jones role uh, when McCarthy was the head coach calling plays. But who fills that Jamal Williams role is kind of my question. Who fills that? Ezekiel Elliott role from last year yeah exactly that's what I was kind of hoping that you'd answer and I feel like until they sign someone else I feel like it has to be Malik Davis in terms of size Rojo's like same height maybe two or three pounds heavier but 
You know, Malik is the UDFA rookie from last year, so he's younger and expensive. And uh, you have Deuce Vaughn, who, you know, you'll see what happens with that. But in terms of receivers, uh, knowing that McCarthy's going to be calling plays, does this affect C.D. Lamb for you at all? Not really. I feel like C.D. has always, I feel like, had like a, a soft spot in McCarthy's system. Uh, or at least in McCarthy's heart as far as when he's been a coach there. So I feel like, you know, C.D.'s still going to be, uh, be a, a dog. Like, I think that's just going to continue. Uh, I'm excited to see what Michael Gallup does, you know, coming a year off of that ACL now. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I'm excited to see what happens with him. I know that, like you said earlier, they did bring in Brandon Cooks, too. So I'm interested to ha- – I'm really interested to see what happens with Jalen Tolbert, to be honest. Tolbert. Because, I forgot about him. Bro, what do, you, do you think he's going to make the roster? Oh, he's definitely going to make the roster for sure. I'm just I'm just interested to see why like, I mean like I understand why they brought in Brandon Cooks but like give my boy like give my boy a chance. Bro, I like Tolbert coming out of give my boy a chance, dog. Year, yeah. Dog, he's a dog. He was a third round, wasn't he? A third round pick for the yeah, Cowboys, third or four or something like that. Third yeah, round pick had, for the Cowboys. I think he played at like some D like D two or no, like it was low SMU. College. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was SMU. Or I'm sorry, I think it was uh, South Alabama. Maybe Southern I think it was Alabama. South Alabama. I think it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was South Alabama. But he was a third-round pick. Right. And he didn't, like, really do anything last I year. I mean, dog, he's a rookie. Well, he was a rookie, rat, rookie last year. But, yeah, like, we'll see what happens. I mean, like, I feel like it's going to take him a year to translate into the NFL. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it, just watch him this year. I feel like that's one of the guys that you guys might start have to watch a little bit of film on. And, you know, once it gets into those mini camps, once it gets into OTAs and stuff like that, I feel like Jalen Tolbert, I mean – I don't know, man. Like, if he can just get his speed up to the NFL, if he can just make that translate for him, I mean, he could be an absolute dog for this team. And he could be the three that that team always needed. Uh, speaking of guys who are who have kind of, I guess, like underperformed uh, for their draft capital, damn, that's a Hayden-ass, like, wait a second. Damn, intro. dude. That's some Hayden-ass shit to say before you talk about somebody else. Uh, but what's good with Trey Lance? Uh, are we still in on the Trey? I, I still kind of like Trey Lance. I think that he has a ton of talent. But obviously, the coaching regime is kind of saying something different. It's year three for him. He doesn't seem to have like the quarterback room locked in as the QB one. I I don't know where are you. He's not gonna. He's not gonna be in San Francisco much longer, dog. Do you think he's like even fantasy like viable? Well, I mean, like if you drafted him, you probably drafted him with pretty decent. Cap. You know, and so like I just feel like that's one of the things that you're gonna have to continue to like monitor. Like if he gets traded to a different team, then he has all the. Ch- all the chance in the world to start, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like right now, like, it, it's just hard to say with Purdy there. Like, he was, he just mastered the offense. It seemed like it seemed like everyone rallied around him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, obviously they probably want to trade to be the guy. But, I mean, just think about, like, the situation that, like, they tried to give, uh, or that they almost put, like, Carson Wentz in, like, for the Eagles. Like, when they had, like, Carson come back, or, like, did they even have Carson come back? Like, I feel like mm. damn near, like, after Jalen started, like, I'm pretty sure that they just said, hey, we're trading yeah. you to the Colts, wasn't it? Because they wanted to stick with Jalen. So, like, I just Jaylen, feel yeah. like that's damn near, like, that situation that you're in. Like, I mean, he never had a chance to really start, which sucks. And so, like, you can look at it as he never had, like, a fair chance. But nonetheless, I mean, like. I don't know, like that training camp last year, he wasn't really impressing all too many people, it didn't seem like. And then when you go into that first game, and yeah, you'll say it's a monsoon against the Bears, but they're playing the Bears, who are the worst team in the NFL last year. 
So it's just one of those things where he wasn't even looking that great then. And I mean, first game jitters, monsoon, whatever, call what you want. But I'm just saying, like, he still didn't perform very good at all. And I mean, as as a professional, it's one of the things you have to do. Listen, the path to Trey Lance becoming fantasy viable is that he has to take three steps. And I'm going to outline those three steps. The first step is he needs to impress that spring practices. That's going on right now. This is the offseason. This is now the end of May. We're going into June. I believe OTA start around July. He needs to go in every day and he needs to be consistent. Kyle Shanahan has come out and said that his footwork has improved since they drafted him. Now, keep in mind, this guy apparently had a finger fracture that I'm just now hearing about. So he allowed he apparently wasn't allowed to develop as quickly uh, going from his rookie year to his sophomore year. So this is his first full offseason in the NFL having full, you know, function in his hand, which is pretty pivotal for throwing a football. Trey Lance needs to have great spring practices. He needs to beat out Sam Darnold during OTAs during the summer, you know, segment. He needs to, without a doubt, beat out Sam Darnold because Sam Darnold came in to be like the journeyman like QB3. If you can't beat that out, you're not ready to be a starter. And they're not going to gift you this job. This roster is ready to go. But three, he needs to build hype. He needs to get some kind of marketing campaign. He needs to start being in the news. He needs to get pressure on this coaching regime and this front office to actually treat him like the draft pick that he was, which was the third overall pick in the NFL draft. He needs to go out there and keep practicing with Patrick Mahomes. He needs to go out there and actually improve in his footwork and his throwing uh, functionality. And he needs to go out there and get, like, San Francisco 49er Twitter. He needs to get uh, Grant Cohn who covers the 49ers, he needs to go get all those journalists and reporters on his side because he needs pressure to get this job. We don't know if Brock Purdy is going to be ready to go to start off the season. Word is, he po- he possibly could, but that's only a few months away, and the guy had the next year down from like Tommy John surgery. So we don't know what's going on with that. But if he can get hype, if he can show consistency, and if he can beat out Sam Darnold, then the job is his. And he came into the league being an athletic freak who needed to fine-tune some things. But the only way you can fine-tune and actually improve is to play the game. And he needs to play the game, Dugo. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. But, I mean, we've seen this time and time again when a team reaches for a quarterback who might not be ready and it flops more often than not. I don't think he's had the opportunity to flop. He's only played maybe five or six games in two years. Sure, but, I mean, when you look at it from the capital that you've already presented, which is the third overall pick, yes. when you don't play after the first two you know, seasons, pretty much, or you did play and it led to losing to the worst team in the NFL, I mean... But Dugo, let me let me also. I just I just say all that to say, like dog, like you haven't really given me much to be super hyped about. I guess. Let me add this to the story. So now this offseason, Trey Lance practices uh, with Patrick Mahomes' quarterback coach. Um, I believe his name is Jeff Christensen. Dog, this guy could practice with the Dalai Lama of quarterbacks, and I still wouldn't give a fuck as long as you don't show me anything on the field. I don't care. That's just I. That's all I care about. You show me results. That's a fact. That's a fact. I actually agree with you. But I'm just saying some things have improved. I got to be a little bit a little bit of optimistic about Trey. Yeah, obviously you um, are because you're trying to be a Trey Lance truther, and I respect that. But all I'm saying is until he goes onto an NFL football field and actually shows me that he's actually showed the world that he's actually – I said actually way too many times. But once he actually shows the world what he's actually made of, then, he'll act, then he will be – Actually, higher on my on my list actually though actually 
Thank you for listening to another episode of Fantasy Football with Gumbo. My name is Josh. Hey, it's Dugo. Appreciate y'all checking in again. Appreciate y'all bringing those head tops. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the Gumbo Pod. We'll talk to you next week. You can find us here every Wednesday. And uh, until next time, happy fishing, y'all. Peace. Peace. Cut a driveway. Hey.